Welcome to another inspirational message from Church on the Rock Pile. Thank you for listening. And if you would like more information, you can visit us at www.therockchurch.co.za. Well, Merry Christmas to every single one of you online. We love you. And I personally want to welcome you again. You know, how many of you watching know a baby changes everything? Parents, can I get an amen out there? I know this morning has been rush, rush, rush. It's been like crazy. But for the next short while, come on, let us put that aside and get into the truth of the Word of God. So are you ready? If you are, repeat after me. My heart's open. My mind's ready. I won't be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's just pray. You know, wherever you are, and I'm just praying, whether you're in a hospital, you're at home or a time at home, wherever, let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for who you are as we celebrate this Christmas day. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We pray that we would be open to the truth of God's word, that we would be convicted, Lord, comforted, that we would be challenged, transformed by your grace and your truth. Lord, I personally, personally pray for your power, for your anointing. God, I'm praying for your authority over my life because I am so aware I am nothing without you. So be present this Christmas day. And everybody said, amen, amen. Have you ever thought of looking at the Christmas story from the perspective of Joseph? We're going to do that today. Matthew 1 verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So Joseph finds out that his fiance has become pregnant and she has the audacity to tell him, honey, it's not what you think. It is actually God. And well, Joseph obviously struggles to believe what Mary says, verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. Joseph is assuming that his fiance had cheated on him and has become pregnant. But because he is a good man, he says, you know, I'm not going to expose her just to disgrace that's out there. I will divorce her quietly. And I think that's wisdom. That's wisdom on how to handle relational conflict quietly. So as not to expose each other, not argue on Facebook and then, well, okay. <laughs> Moving on. Verse 20. But after he had considered this, think about Joseph. His fiance comes to him. Can you believe it? Imagine that's you. Your fiancé comes to you and tells you this, and he's considering how to handle this situation. And it says, And an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. God tells Joseph, Hey, this sounds crazy, but she's not lying. Verse 21. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Somebody watching me say Jesus. Give him the name Jesus because, because this is one of the most important becauses in the Bible. Because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel which means God with us. 
what an amazing fact of a savior who identifies himself with you and with me and with all that is a part of our lives. He's identified God with us. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up from probably the craziest dream of his entire life, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him to do. That's another moment to pause and think about the obedience of Joseph. How often do I wake up and I don't do what God is asking me to do? The story of Christmas is found through even the obedience of Joseph. It continues. And he took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to her son. He did what God asked him to do. And it says, and he gave him the name Jesus. A baby changes everything. I'd heard that so many times before I had children, but I really did not understand the power of that statement until I actually had that. Parents, do you remember all the ideas that you had, how you would parent before you had them, that is? I remember judging parents in restaurants. I mean, did you do that? Judging parents in restaurants with their toddlers screaming, watching them give their kids an iPad. Oh, we're not going to do the screen time, you know? We're not going to use iPads. And then you have your own and you try to eat out and you want to stay longer than just the starter. Yes, sweetie, he has Bluey, you know, and you're going to watch Bluey because daddy wants his dessert tonight. Any parents watching, you know, going to give me an amen? A baby changes everything. I remember when Jared was born, that's our eldest son. As soon as I saw him, my tear ducts were just activated. I saw this little baby and there was this incredible sense of Conditional love. Instantly, I would do anything for him. It didn't matter what he did. I was going to love him. And then that overwhelming, terrifying feeling. It's a humbling, that humbling moment of leaving the hospital because you are so aware that you have no idea what you're doing. Then the second one is born, Kalen. And he, you know, we still had no idea what we were doing. The babies changed everything in Jan and my life. It changed everything about my life. The way that I drove, the routine in the morning, the routine at night. It changed the way I slept. Parents, can you give me an amen? If you had a baby, it changed what's on your fridge and, and what's in your fridge. It changes your pantry, your house layout, the rooms in your home, the volume level in your home. Shh, shh. It changes the movies that you watch and the music that you listen to. There's the soundtrack of Sing Two that is now like a loop in your brain going around and around. You know, when Jan and I had our first baby, it changed everything. And the same with the second, although I'm not complaining. While a baby changes everything, may we consider the life of Joseph. That baby changed everything in his life. In fact, it changed all of humanity. But it changed Joseph's life in a way that no other dad has experienced in the history of mankind. His fiance came to him and says, hey, I'm pregnant and you know it's not yours and, and, and it's hard for me to explain, but it's not what you think, it's God's. And he struggles with this conversation, but God shows up and tells him, Joseph, it's true. Your fiance Mary is going to have a son, but Joseph, I've already given him a name. I'm sure if I was Joseph, a part of me would say, if this is all happening, can I at least get some ownership? You know, can we call him Joseph Jr.? You know, why is it that God had already named him Jesus? 
Why didn't he leave it up to Joseph? I mean, can you imagine if God did that and Jesus is born and Joseph turns to Mary? You know what? He kind of looks like a, he looks like a penny, you know? It would have changed the way that we worship. Can you imagine us singing, Worthy is your name, Benny. I mean, definitely not right. So why? Why is the name Jesus so important? Why didn't the angel of the Lord tell Joseph, you're to name him, and, and it's really important you to name him Jesus. It says, because he will save his people from their sins. Listen, there is something about the name of Jesus the Son of God, Jesus, Jehovah, our Savior. Salvation from what? Salvation from our sins. It is the name that is above every other name. There's something about the name that causes the demonic to cower in fear. And every knee will bow, every tongue will confess the name of Jesus. The name that heals every disease and every sickness. It's the name that says to the lame, walk and pick up your mat. And they do that and they run. The name that calls the blind to see, the name that has the power to condemn, yet he chooses to say, come to me. There's something about this name, the author and the finisher of our faith, the name that was slain before the foundation of the earth, the Alpha and Omega, the cornerstone, our deliverer, the high priest, the head of the church, the Holy One, our redeemer, the resurrection and the life, the rock on which I stand, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the rose of Sharon, the bright and morning star. There is something about that name, the name that no one came to the Father, but through the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus that is King of kings and Lord of lords. It's the name that sticks closer than a brother. It is the name that has saved you and has saved me from our sins. There is something about about the name of Jesus. Come on today, can we celebrate right now, wherever you're sitting at home, wherever you are, right now, celebrate the name of Jesus, the name of the Son of God. Just a couple of seconds, he gave this name to his son, Jesus. Thank him this Christmas day. Really, really thank him. There's something in the name that I believe is really important for us to consider today. Without it, we can miss the power, the weight, the, the, the magnitude of the Christmas story and what makes it all possible. And if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. It is humility. Humility. It is the humility of Jesus that makes this Christmas day possible. If we are not careful, we can limit Christmas to just Santa and lights and festivities. And I'm all for that. I really am. I love it all. I act like a 10-year-old around Christmas. I cover the outside of my house in lights, you know. I've Santa in my window. We have a big collection of Christmas snow globes. But if we're not careful, we can limit this Christmas story to the shadow of the realities of Christmas. Because it is humility that allows me to begin to marvel at the power of Christmas. It is humility that opens my eyes to just how dead I was to my sin and how good the grace of Jesus is. It is humility that opens my eyes to how much I need his grace and forgiveness for my sins. And it is humility that opens my eyes to marvel at how he would humble himself for you and for me. Paul said this in Philippians, Philippians 2. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. He's saying, think this way. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing but taking the very nature of a servant, 
being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's why we're here today. That's why we're gathering this morning to the glory of God the Father. You know, I don't know if you've ever traveled, but Jan, that's my wife and I, were traveling to Australia with our boys. They were in their early 20s. And I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you, but we, Jan and I, got upgraded to first class, but our boys didn't. Now, don't judge me. You know, if you're like me, I'm thinking, I belong in first class. Yeah, man, this is great. I turned to my boys and I said, have fun in row 72 C and D. What I didn't do is think, you know what? I love and appreciate my boys so much, I'm going to walk back there to the person sitting next to them in 74 B and D and say to them, hey, would you mind changing seats with me? You, know, you can go sit in first class. I just can't bear to think of not sitting next to my sons for the next 16 hours. Huh? Are you sure you want to do that? I mean, don't you have fully laid back seats back there in first class? Mm, I do but I just want to be next to my boys. I don't mind sitting here pressing the recline button and actually going forward instead of backwards. You know, they were going to serve Philip Mignon for dinner there, but I don't mind eating here. What you've got, students? What's for dinner back here? Well, we're actually out of all our options. The only option left is a vegan option. What? That shouldn't even be an option at all. Okay, I'll suffer through this meal. You know, drinks were for free in first class. I don't mind paying back here. They gave everybody iPads to watch up there. I think I can see a little TV screen coming out of the seat in front there. What's that? Stewardess, can I have some headphones? She tells me, they're in the seat pocket in front of you. And I look and it looks like a, a bit of string. I mean, use this to listen to a movie. You didn't and wouldn't see me do that. I'm not giving up my first class seat just to sit next to my boys. Folks. This Christmas, may we remember that we live in the grace and the goodness of God because Jesus humbled himself and gave up his status. He took on the form of a man, fully God and fully man, willing to not show up in glory, but be born in a poor family, in a shed, in a manger. He grew up in a no-name town, walked the earth, facing the same opportunities to sin that you and I face, yet he did not sin. He started his church, which he chose you and me to be a part of, humbled himself to take our place on the cross. And it all started on a Christmas day, the day he chose to be born to mankind. Isaiah said that you can call him wonderful because he is wonderful. You can call him counselor because he is the one that can guide you. You can call him mighty God because there is nothing he cannot do. You can call him everlasting father because he is the one who has no beginning, he has no ending, and you can call him Prince of Peace because he comes to you to give you peace. That is our Jesus. Isaiah 6, 9 says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This baby that changed everything. He is called Wonderful, which is the name that speaks of one 
who is out of the ordinary of God as being unique and different. He is the marvelous one, the astonishing one. 1 Samuel 2.2 says, There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like you. If you feel you are bored with your life, then look to the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no one like him. There is none beside him. Jesus puts the wonder of it all back into your life. You know, someone asked a guy called Gypsy Smith. He was an old-time Pentecostal preacher. Why he seemed so happy all the time being a Christian. And he said, I never lost the wonder of it all. May we never lose the wonder of it all. He is called Counselor. The name speaks of one who can give you guidance and direction. Isaiah 28, 29 says this. This also comes from the Lord of hosts, who is wonderful in counsel and excellence in guidance. A counselor is someone you can turn to for help and advice. And Jesus is the supreme counselor. He will guide you as you read his word. He will speak to you when you're on a place where you need leadership. You can get advice or listen to the opinions of others. You can do that. But there's only one the true counselor that is there that will help you through each and every day so that you can face your tomorrow. He is called mighty God. As counselor, Jesus can tell you what is right. But as mighty God, he can empower you to do what is right. He is mighty in his presence, mighty in his provision, and mighty in his power. He is mighty in his perception of everything. Listen to me. As long as we have Jesus, there is hope. As long as we have Jesus, there is help. As long as we have Jesus, there is healing. You've got to know because nothing is impossible with God. For the hopeless, he is the mighty God. Mark 10, 27 says, Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with him. He is the everlasting father. He is the one from eternity past that has entered into a relationship with man. He is not some distant God that man cannot know. He is the father that loves and cares for his own. We read Psalm 68, 5, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. He is always where you need him to be, when you need him the most. He is called the Prince of Peace. He is the one who will fill your life with peace and assurance. He will not leave you all by yourself without comfort. He will come to you and help you. He will love on you. And I want you to know that the peace that Jesus gives to you may not keep you out of a storm, but it will help you stay calm in the middle of the storm that you are going through. When Ronald Reagan was first elected governor of California, it was 1968. He had to face big decisions on abortion, the death penalty, taxes, budget deficits, and all the other things that faced the governor at that time. One of his team told the story of how one afternoon he pushed open the door to Reagan's office in time to see him take out a small bottle and place it to his lips and take a few quick gulps. Ronald Reagan noticed him and held the bottle up near his face so he could see it. It wasn't alcohol, but it was medicine for upset stomachs. He said, my stomach has been killing me and I have to drink this several times a day. A few months went by and the same team member was talking to him and said, Governor, your stomach must be better. I haven't seen that little bottle around lately. Reagan looked at him and said, 
When things were getting worse a few months ago, I kept looking over my shoulder for answers. Where I should have been looking was up. I should have been looking up. That's when I found peace for my stomach. And we are told in Psalm 4, 8, In peace I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Isaiah 26, 3 tells us, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. I want you to understand something about that little baby in that manger 2,000 years ago. The world needs him. If you are hurting, you need him. If you are hopeless, you need him. If you are helpless, you need him. If you are heartbroken, you need him. He came for you. And one day he will return to this earth. One day he will reign on this earth. Today his kingdom is internal. It is in the hearts of his people. One day it will be external on the throne of this universe. You'll be there for all to see. One of these days, that little baby who came to a cradle will come to a crown. That little baby that was laid in a manger will sit on a throne. That little baby that was given gifts by the wise men will be given the universe by his heavenly father. Because that little baby came to change everything. Because of him, we can face tomorrow. Let's pray. Listen to me as we pray. Jesus is no longer a little baby. He's no longer nailed to a cross. He is risen. He is the Lord of Lords, seated at the right hand of God. He's making intercession for you and me. And maybe you've never, ever acknowledged him before. Maybe you've never taken note of his power and, and the wonder of him, of who he really is. And you have never come before him and received him, received his love, received his forgiveness in your life. But this Christmas day, if he isn't your Lord and Savior, I want to challenge you to humble yourself and acknowledge him as the Lord over all your life. Acknowledge your sin. Give him your past and walk into your future, which will be a brand new beginning. That's the Christmas story. That's the wonder of the Christmas story. Hope for humanity. A brand new beginning for you. And if that's you, the Bible declares this. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So right now, wherever you're watching from, you're feeling a tug of war inside of you. That's Jesus. That's Jesus inviting you. He's saying, make me Lord of your life. And if that's you, we're going to pray a simple prayer. And if you say, I need to make right with that God, I need to humble myself before him and give him his rightful place, then just repeat this prayer after me right now. Really do that. Say this, Jesus, I need you. Thank you for leaving heaven on my behalf. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. This Christmas day, I choose to believe you died for me I believe God raised you from the dead. And today, I'll make you my Lord and Savior. Thank you for a brand new beginning in Jesus' name. And everybody watching me said, Amen, Amen. Come on, wherever you are, just celebrate those who've accepted Christ today. Now, I want to say to you, enjoy the rest of your day. Don't miss next Sunday, the last day of the year. We're online. 
And I have a word for the beginning of the new year because most people overestimate what they can do in a year and they underestimate what they can do in a day. So join me for that. And as you go through the day today into the new year that lies ahead, let's be a people that show kindness, share hope, and shine Jesus. Merry Christmas, everybody.